0: Jesus, speaking to people, says this, Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. It was sometime in September of 2002, I had been swimming at the Wimbledon Leisure Center. Now, that should surprise you straight away because I'm not much of a swimmer. But living in London, I felt like I needed to get some H2O fix in my life. And so I went to a leisure center, which is kind of like a public gym in the southwest of London. And I'd finished swimming. I was catching one bus on my way home. I got off the bus at the bus stop to get another bus, and I bumped into two girls. One girl I knew, her name was Taryn. The other girl I knew about, her name was Tamlin. And they get chatting to me. It was a Saturday afternoon. And eventually, they extended an invite to me to join them the next day in church. They had started going along to a church and were enjoying it so much. And I was at a place in my life where I was very receptive to the invitation. I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up in a Christian household at all. I grew up in a, in a household that was aware of God, perhaps, because God came up every now and again. But I had been on a process of discovery, because I had found myself living in London as a 20-year-old, having explored a lot of what life had to offer, and found that it was lacking in substance, And I was asking big questions like, is there more to life? And what is my purpose for life? And so I went on this journey. And at this moment, I was very ready and receptive to take a next step in that process of discovery. And so going along to a church, for me, it it was a little bit kind of out of the box because, like I said, I was not a churchgoer. But I was receptive to exploring God. So I turn up. At this church, um, and I would say it was the final peace in my salvation experience. And I say peace because for me, it wasn't like I went from absolute darkness to absolute light. Like I said, I was on a bit of a journey of discovery. And so I had been through what is known as an Alpha course. I'm sure many of us would be familiar with Alpha. And I had been fortunate enough to go to Alpha at Holy Trinity Brompton in Knightsbridge, where Nicky Gumbel himself was leading the Alpha. And so that was a phenomenal experience to be a part of. It, it answered a lot of questions that I had, a lot of intellectual stuff that I was wrestling with, a lot of questions around big topics like if God is a good God, why is there so much suffering in the world? and Is Jesus really uh, God in human form? And so those big questions, they had been settled. But the whole church thing was still foreign to me until I walked into this particular church with Tam and Taryn. And it was almost like I felt this was the moment where I could fully commit my life to following Jesus. It was a significant moment. It was a moment where I was like, okay, I'm now all in. Because I thought to myself, if I'm going to choose to follow Jesus and, and, and believing Jesus to be who he said he is and who now I have heard from an intellectual level who he is and this is what Jesus offers me, why would I follow Jesus half-heartedly? Like, what would be the point of that? I I, I tend to be fairly pragmatic and logical around thinking, especially in the lines of faith. I'm like, if I'm going to choose this, why would I only put one foot in? So at the moment of making the decision that I'm in, I chose to be all in. And it was a pivotal moment in my life. Uh, Purpose started to come alive in my life, meaning for my life, uh, coming to know forgiveness for my life because of all the mistakes and stupid things that I'd done, Uh, forgiveness extended towards others because of all of the stuff that had happened to me through childhood, Um, all of those things were just now starting to flow. It was a phenomenal experience. My salvation is undoubtedly by the grace of God. Not through my effort, but simply because of this gift that God, in his loving kindness, has extended towards me. And that gift is Jesus. Me accessing this gift gift by choosing to believe. But it also very much came about because of the generosity of people. That people played an instrumental role in my life being awakened to the grace of God. And I would imagine in a room like this, that there are many that would probably say the same. That your walk with Jesus, your following of Jesus, yes, by the grace of God, yes, because of gift, yes, accessed through faith, but also people would have at some point played a role in you coming to follow Jesus. That verse, again, if you can bring it up for Matthew 5, keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. The last two years, uh, so much of it has been about just trying to survive to a degree, even in the context of our church. And with that comes the mentality of kind of going week to week to week. But now we find ourselves two years into this journey and I have within me a deep sense that it's time to start talking about the more that is before us. For the very first time, I started to ask the question with a group of people in our church, which I am now posing to us this morning. What does the next five years look like for us? I know without a shadow of a doubt that for us to chart a path towards a desired future, it's going to require from us this teaching series that we're going to spend some time on. And so for the next little while, we're going to dig into and explore this biblical kingdom concept known as generosity. Live open, be generous. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. At the beginning of each year, I've issued three statements that I'm hoping is a framework to shape our community. Um, And we call that time of the year future church. It's like looking ahead. And it hasn't been about what we are hoping to achieve. It's been more about who we are becoming and i've used statements like we want to become a church that is deeply formed by christ we want to become a church that is the essence of community if you had to look up in the dictionary what is community we're desiring it to be co-church next to that word the essence of community um We want to become a church, Isaiah 58 on the back wall over there, if you haven't noticed it, that is known for restoration. The restoring of homes, the restoring of lives, the restoring of kingdom in society. We want to become a church that is a wellspring of life. That any time anyone encounters us, they encounter life in a world that is so geared towards tearing down and bringing death, we want to be a community that continues to elevate life and life in its fullness. We want to become a church uh, that are carriers of good news. When there's so much bad news, we want to be carriers of good news. And not just good news in general, although that is great, we want to be carriers of the good news that there is a God. He loves you so much that there is a gift for you and his name is Jesus. And that is the good news. That is the best news in all of eternity. That God saves and he saves through Christ. And so therefore, we also wouldn't become a church that is a house of salvation. And when I look at that reference in Matthew chapter 5, that to live open and to live generous lives is to prompt others to open their lives to God. I want us to become a church that is a house of salvation. So we're going to do a series on generosity, uh, knowing that it's a vital ingredient to shape so much of who we are becoming and what the future looks like. Being generous means liberality in giving or abundance in giving. Other words that can be associated with generosity are largeness, fertile, prolific. I like that word, prolific. So generosity has to do with giving and giving liberally and giving abundantly. So we're doing a series on generosity. We're not doing a series on money. I want to make that clear. Because when we use the word generosity and when we use words like giving, many of our minds go straight to that aspect. Now, it's not to say we're not going to talk about money. Because a large portion of our Bibles and our New Testaments and the words of Christ will use the means of money to teach on bigger and broader concepts like generosity. But this is not a money series, it's a generosity series. Because if we, if we go back to just my scenario of the experience that I had, okay? So I meet two people at a bus stop. They invite me into their experience. In other words, they open their lives to me And they are generous to extend an invitation. An invitation is an expression of generosity. Because invitations are us opening our lives to others instead of closing our lives to others. And there is something of significance for us to live with a posture that is open rather than one that is closed. Because it's so counterculture to what we live in. And if we could, for a moment, just talk about our rainbow nation as South Africa, understanding that, and we have personal experience of this, living in other parts of the world where often people think that the grass is always greener on the other side. It might not be greener, it just might work better. That doesn't mean it is better. But in our context, there's a lot that comes at us that would cause us to go into defense mode. There are threats everywhere. There is uncertainty everywhere. There is bad news everywhere. There is the reality of bad in our life. And so all of that would cause society to be closed. There is no better literal example of a closed society than one that has walls and barbed wire fences everywhere, right? That's the picture. That's what we live in constantly. But these two people that I bumped into, they choose to open their lives, they choose to extend an invitation. And so I go along to a gathering and I'm meeting people who are warm, warm, who are embracive, who uh, notice me, who are offering a smile, and understanding that even the offer of a smile is an act of generosity. Particularly to somebody who we don't necessarily know, to offer a visual expression of sincerity and gladness towards another human being is a gift that is often underestimated. They were opening their lives to me. I was a stranger. They didn't know me. I was walking into their space. And yet there was an embrace. There was an openness. There was a receptivity of a community to somebody who was not yet part of the crowd. But I was seen and I was noticed. They were being generous. The place that we were gathering in uh, was a theater in the center of London, and it was being rented by the church. So whether a, a facility is rented or it is owned, we all know that to gather in any physical structure has a cost to it. And that cost is carried by the people who would choose to participate in that said community, And who would choose to own the financial responsibility to create a home, now quite literally speaking, that would be open to others. And so not only was there a relational generosity, a generosity in invitation, a generosity in time, there was a generosity with money. There was a generosity with money that enabled somebody like myself to have a life changing, eternity-shaping experience. And I wasn't the only one. There were multitudes of people who were walking off the streets of London and finding themselves in a gathering place where they were receiving the greatest gift of all time, and that is the gift of salvation. And it came because people chose to be generous with their finances. But I I walked into an environment not having had a church background, and now I'm seeing people playing instruments, singing songs, uh, producing sound. All of this kind of stuff was fairly foreign to me in the context of church. But they were choosing to offer gift, talent, time, skill to a community which enabled an environment of worship. And when there is an environment of worship, not just singing, not just sound, not just playing of instruments, but an environment of worship, lives are changed. Because you cannot help but catch a glimpse of heaven in environments of worship. And so now, these people who were not only generous in their smile and in the invitation and in their warm embrace, they were not only generous with their finances, they were generous with their gift and their talent. They were bringing an offering to God by way of their service. And their generosity, which was opening their lives to others, prompted me to open my lives to God. And then there was the guy who actually spoke the message, which maybe... different to me. He was actually making sense. But I heard somebody being generous with the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus. And they were being generous with it, not because uh, there was any extravagance to it. They were being generous with it because the gospel in essence is generous. The gospel is the open invitation of the creator of life itself to the created, that we would walk into a genuine personal relationship with God Almighty. But there was this communication of said gospel. There was the the, the delivery of the expansiveness of God, and not only his majesty, but also his love. Which is what the gospel is. It is the love of God in a message, and that message is Jesus. And by that generosity, by that openness, by that extension, I received this great gift. And so when we talk about generosity, may we never narrow it down to just one thing. The reality of, of what I touched on in the context of our country where so much of our lives are lived in survival or defensive mode, which by physiological position is one of being closed. Everything within us is, is, is closed, defensive. Uh, either we're ready to flee, either we're ready to freeze, or either we're ready to fight. And that's the opposite of being generous, because it's a posture of being closed. And so what we think in those moments of survival or defensive is that we need to prioritize the most important person in our life, which is me. Not me, you. We all have me as a priority, right? And listen, we live in a day and age where there is a slight deception that is going on. And the deception is, there's a message that's being portrayed that in order for me to be made well, I need to have a focus on me. But the counterintuitive is actually true. That the more that I have focus away from me towards the source of me, the better me will be. And the more that I have focus towards living open towards others, the better me will be. It is sociologically studied fact Science, that generous people are better off in their well-being than stingy people. (laughs) Or, let's use the word closed, people. Generosity is a key ingredient in personal well-being. Studies have suggested that being generous improves your health, it lowers your blood pressure, it even improves your immune system. It lowers stress and in some studies has shown to even extend lifespan. It helps with the quality of relationships. Being liberal in giving is good for you. It's also good for us. In our local context as a church, you being generous is good for you and it's good for us. And if it is good for us, we believe that it will be good for society. Generosity is good for you. The Bible says it like this in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And then in Acts, speaking of the words of Jesus, it says this. In everything I did, the apostle was speaking, I showed you... That by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so over the next while, we're going to focus in on generosity. Generosity comes through practice, but it actually begins in who we believe God to be. And from that, how do we see the world around us? And who God is, is a generous, abundant God. One who so loves that he gave the greatest gift. The one who is open, the one who has extended an invitation, the one who loves and makes a way for his people to be joined.